to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So, let's live our best lives, one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. Hi, everybody. We are so glad you're here today. Welcome to episode 52 of the Life Lessons Podcast. This is a very special episode because it's been a year. I know. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? No. Yes, but no. I know. It's so funny. The last year has gone so crazy fast, but at the same time, when I think of everything I've done over the last year, I'm like, how did Mm -hmm. I get all that done? That's true. Me too. Me too. I birthed a whole new book this year. Yeah. But I mean, even when we were by episode eight, I was like, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. I don't know if we're going to pull this off. And here we are a year later. And That's awesome. Well, it's been so much fun. I love my other podcasts, but this one is just so much fun. Because it's different every week. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things. I think that's one of my favorite things. Yeah. Just that every week I get to explore a new topic and I mm-hmm. get, you know, get insight from other people on different topics and right. it opens up your mind to just different ways of thinking and things you've never thought about. And yeah. Well, you know, we're both lifelong learners. And so the podcast lets us continue to learn more things about different topics. Yeah. You know, it's funny people in the intermittent fasting community, they're only listen to health and wellness podcasts and they're listening to every fasting podcast out there or whatever. And, you know, I went through a period of that and then I was like, okay, I mean, how much more can I possibly exactly. listen to about fasting? I'm kind of at that point. I know everything I want to know about it. Like Melanie was on the intermittent fasting podcast just, I think this week she was like, I learned something. It's so cool about how fat gets burned. Do you want to know? I'm like, not really. I'm like, I don't even care how fat gets burned. It's just going to do it, whatever. Right. I don't know. I don't need to know how it happens. I'm at that point. I love Melanie so much. So do not get me wrong. But (laughs) I really did not want to know. I did not want to know. Because I guess as you get older, you just like, I trust that my body is going to do what it needs to do. It's doing all sorts of good stuff. I don't need to know exactly what good stuff it's doing. I just know it's good. Right. Right. It's kind of like electricity. I don't need to yeah, know I don't how need to know. generated and how it comes <laughs> through the transformers and what. No, I just need to know when I flip the light switch on, the lights mm-hmm. turn on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, you know, that's why Melanie and I balance each other out so well, because she's going down those rabbit holes. And I'm like, your body's going to burn the fat. I don't know how. It doesn't really matter. It'll burn it. Fast clean. anyway I do love to learn new things and then I just said that that made it sound the opposite of that but I love to learn new things about new things yes new things about new things right and I don't need to know it to the point of now I have a doctorate in that field right right (laughs) I'm more of a generalist I described it to Melanie as I'm like the girl with the greatest hits 
I like to know the greatest hits from every group, but I like a lot of different music. I did not think you said hits there for a second. Oh, no. (laughs) That's so funny. Whereas Melanie listens to Taylor Swift, like just Taylor Swift. She knows everything about Taylor Swift. And like, I don't want to know everything about Taylor Swift. I'll, you know, I just want to know the greatest hits of every artist. And that's all I need. Right. Hits. Greatest hits. (laughs) Got it. I'm glad you said it twice because I was really hung up on the first pronunciation. Oh, gosh. And I was like, greatest hits. Oh, good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, now it's time for our weekly good news segment. And today's contribution comes from Kayla from Ohio. And she wrote, today, my friend and I were at the park with my two kids my five-year-old daughter, Harper, and my 16-month-old son, Owen. Owen is at that age where he's just exploring and he's trying to make sense of everything. While we were at the park, he caught sight of a garbage truck on the street. There were three men working the truck. They noticed my little man noticing them. He was absolutely intrigued by the truck and what they were doing, pointing and smiling. They beeped at him and that made him even more excited. It didn't stop there. They started waving to him, making a big deal of it. They were smiling just as big as my son, and it just completely melted my heart that they took notice of him and all of his excitement. They smiled, they waved, and they beeped at him until they were out of sight. By the end of it, Owen was waving and blowing them kisses. I wish I knew the name of the company to give them a shout out, but I don't. But they were absolutely awesome to make his day like that. Truth is, I think Owen made their day too. I love love that. that. That's such a good story. So sweet. Yes. And you know, this means we have had 52 good news segments that we've shared. That makes me happy. I love it. And we've got so many more to share because listeners, we need your stories. Make sure to send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life tell us an amazing story, or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. So before we get to the life lesson of the week, we like to tell you about usually a company that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. But today I'm going to talk again about Cleanish. My book is coming out, so I want to take a minute to talk about why would you like it? Why do you need to go ahead and pre-order it now? January 4th is the day that it will become available. If you pre-order the paperback, it will be delivered on January 4th. Well, that's what it's supposed to be with the way deliveries are right now. Lord knows. (laughs) You're supposed to get it January 4th. If you order the ebook version, it will definitely be out January 4th, as will the, the audio book. But I was actually just talking to my director from Macmillan, who's going to be directing me as I'm recording the audio book. I'm going to Atlanta in a couple of weeks to record it. And she read the book, you know, getting prepared for the recording. She's like, oh, my gosh, I love this book. That makes me feel so happy to hear. She's like, this book really made me think. It's helping me figure out what to do in my life. And so if you know you want to live a cleaner lifestyle, but you're not really sure where to begin or why, like why is it so important, you're going to want to read Cleanish. We're also going to talk about it and have a few life lessons about stuff in Cleanish as the new year rolls around. So you're going to want to have your own copy to kind of do this little book study with us throughout Cleanish. And I would challenge you if you do not think that there is, I'm thinking of my husband right now, bless his heart. He has this idea that 
our health is just our health. There's nothing we can do about it that we cannot change our outcomes. He's got a fixed mindset. What is going to happen is going to happen. And I'm constantly trying to get through his mind that we can take little steps throughout every day of our life that can greatly impact our health and our wellness and our longevity. And they don't mm -hmm. have to be anything major. It could just be little choices, this over that. And right. I really feel that that is what Jen's book does. It opens up your mindset to it's not all or nothing. It's not exactly. I have to do it this way or I fail. It's mm -hmm. little steps, little things that you can do in your daily life that are not going to be expensive or particularly life changing in that moment, but that are going to add value and longevity to your life and your health. And it all, you know, adds up. It snowballs, right? Every little thing adds up, drip, 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 filling your bucket. And so, you know, every little choice you make ends up having a big compounded effect over time. Right. But it's called clean-ish because you're not going to – I refuse to trade off things that give value to my life. Like, for example, we talk about Beauty Counter. I love the Beauty Counter deodorant. I love their deodorant. I, I use the coconut. But – you know, there are a few days of the year when I need a different deodorant. I use traditional deodorant yep. a few days of the year if here in Georgia when it's extra hot over the summer, depending on the outfit that I'm wearing. And like today, I just need a little more than natural deodorant. And that's okay. I probably use natural deodorant 90% of the time. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I just need a little something else. And that's because I'm cleanish. You know, I'm not going to say, oh, well, this deodorant doesn't work 365 days of the year. I'm never going to use it. I use it when I can. I'm right. cleanish, and yeah. I don't stress about the day that I'm using a traditional deodorant because I'm having to go out in public with my armpits out, right? Right. <laughs> or me, I eat grass-fed beef at home. Right. But some days, I just want a Whopper with bacon and cheese yeah. from Burger King. Yep. And I'm not worried about mm -hmm. the fact that it's not grass-fed beef. I'm just going to eat it nope. and enjoy it, and the next day, I'm going to go back to a better quality meat. Because you're cleanish. That's right. Yes. And I think that everybody, you know, we've been so all or nothing. They're like, well, if I know that seed oils are bad for me, I can never eat conventional mayonnaise ever again. But no, you pick and choose and you decide what's important to you. So I've got my organic ketchup next to my Duke's mayonnaise and it is okay. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yep. Anyway, cleanish. If you go to jenstevens.com slash cleanish, there are links there where you can pre-order. So go ahead and do that. Or just anywhere you buy books, you can find it. So usually this would be where we feature our life lesson of the week. But in celebration of episode 52, we thought we would have a fun Q&A session with Jen and I instead. And the Life Lessons community submitted their questions for us to answer today. Are you ready, Jen? I am. Do you just want to alternate asking like you'll read one and then I'll read the next one? We just want to do it like that? Yep. That's fine. All right. And I have read most I'm of ready. these. I haven't looked at them yet. I've actually jotted down a few answers because some of them are uh -oh. really hard. If I get uh -oh. put on the spot, I start to go, um, <laughs> I don't know. Jen has not read these, so. I haven't read them. It'll be fun. So I'm looking forward to it. That's part of the surprise for me is what are they going to be? All right. All right. You want to read the first one? Sure. Terry submitted the question. What is your favorite thing about each other? Oh, I love that question, Terry. Okay. Well, Sherry, I love your spirit. Just your, you know, like the, before I even met you in person, I knew I loved your soul, just your spark and that you are just 
I mean, I don't know, you've just got a joy of life about you and that you always want to help somebody. Like your whole life is about helping other people and about spreading sunshine to the world. That's the way I see it. And that's what I love about you. And I can count on you always to be there. If I called you up in the middle of the night and said, Sherry, I need you to come here right now, you would say, okay, and you would get in your truck and you would come. I absolutely would. I know you would. Yeah. What do I love about Jen? I love that she is encouraging, honest. Jen is sort of childlike. That's she, true. Jen has a childlike enthusiasm. Sort of, well, it's not just enthusiasm. <laughs> There's a lot of things about you that strike me as childlike. Like Jen is a little, what is the word? Uh, maybe sometimes she's too trusting. Like she, <laughs> because she just wants to trust everybody. So she will. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. She wants everything to be amazing. So she sees it as amazing. She looks through the world with sort of a, a childlike innocence. And yeah. I love that about Jen. And oh. I don't look at the world like that just because we, no, we balance each other out well. Very different life experiences. <laughs> and so where I'm like more suspicious, she's more like, it's fine. And, yeah. and so we do balance each other in that way. But she challenges people in a way that really makes people stop and think and grow. And like, I don't even know if you've ever offended anyone, Jen. Oh, no, I have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Mainly on Facebook because well, that was people, that's, that's one reason I world. left Facebook because that's you know that's a whole different world. But well, like I mean, like for example, one time someone asked in in the group, she asked the question, "Can I take birth control pills while fasting?" We would do decline notes for questions that just had a very easy answer, and so I did a decline note, and I was like, "Well, yes. Otherwise, in nine months, you're going to have a you know a new baby." That said something in a joke. Okay, no, that was super offensive. She did not like that at all. And then I got a second post that was like, "You are the worst ever," and I'm leaving the group, and I'm never. I'm like, okay, I was trying to be funny. Well, so you, okay, so you have this way of like, you can correct somebody or you could, you can redirect somebody who's maybe not being pleasant, but you have a way of doing it in a way that a person does not take offense, really. Well, I do my best. Because your pure heart just shines through. Well, thank you. So that's, you know, that was my teacher, my teacher superpowers, right? Knowing my teacher skills were knowing what someone needed in the moment and that every child needed something different. Whereas this kid needed one thing, the other kid needed the opposite and giving them exactly what they need to hear at that moment, whether it's tough love or gentle encouragement or just the look and the smile and the, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I could make a child cry with just my eyes. Yeah. And it, they were crying because they were sorry, not because I like, you know, upset right. them like a child who had done something wrong. If you just look at them in a because certain way. you pointed out that they made a mistake. And yeah, and then they're like over there. there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's my teacher superpower coming out. Wow. All right. So we have a question from Judy. And I loved that, by the way. Thank you. That made my heart really happy. That's that childlike excitement. Judy asks, what strength does the other bring to your partnership that you appreciate? 
There's a reason you make a great team. There might be something that each of you bring to the podcast that happens behind the scenes that we may not know or appreciate. Sherry, what gift does Jen bring? Jen, what about Sherry? Well, um, speaking of the podcast and our partnership here, Jen brings her knowledge and expertise of the podcast world that I had very little experience. I'm a podcast listener, but I didn't know a lot of what happens behind the scenes. While I do a lot of the in front of the scenes work and the prep work and interacting in the community, Jen is doing a lot of the behind the scenes work with our affiliates, with companies and the bookkeeping and even doing the submission of our recordings to the producers and that sort of thing. So she does a lot of the the behind the scenes work. That's very true. Yeah. Because I, you know, I already had a, for example, a relationship with the editors. So we just continued with that. And, you know, the affiliates like Dry Farm Wine. So yeah, we each get to bring our strengths to that. So Sherry is the one who organizes when the guests are going to come and she does the episode prep and writes the show notes. And so we really, we're a very good team and we've like, we've got it down to like a we really do. Like a flow. We really do. Sherry usually does the website, but I put the podcast up every week, right? right. Sherry maintains parts of it. I do parts of it. And so we're like a well-oiled machine. When the producers send us back after editing, they don't always get it right the first time. And so we have to listen to it to make sure that, you know, any edits that needed to be taken out because we do editing. I mean, there's lots of times where Jen and I both get tongue-tied and we start laughing and we have to start over. Right. But sometimes they forget to take that out. And I'm like, oh, goodness. But Jen does not listen to podcasts. And maybe people don't know that. Jen. I sure don't want to listen to this one. Sorry, everybody. I don't want to listen to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to the podcast. And it's funny because it's like I've sat here and recorded it. But I hear things in the podcast that I did not hear when we were recording because my brain was busy or whatever. And I literally just laugh at us so many times. I love that. It's so fun. So yeah, we work that together. So yeah, we're a really good team. Well, Claire says, her question is, have you personally had depression or anxiety and what was most helpful for you? Jen? That's a great question. You know, I mean, I, I've never suffered from depression, anxiety. I mean, I don't think that I've ever suffered from either of them to the point that like I needed to look for treatment or anything. You know, yes, I think I have this just a, a normal level of sadness when things happen. I wouldn't call it depression. And then as far as being anxious, just I do tend to worry about things. I play them through in my mind, like how something's going to be. And, and I kind of rehearse it in my mind. But that also leads me to solutions. Mm -hmm. So, no, I really haven't. I really haven't. How about you, Sherry? I have had periods of time in my life where I have struggled. Like, I had my very best friend moved across the country in 2008. I had a very bad period of time. I was um, finishing a, my capstone thesis for my degree, I went back and got my healthcare management degree several years ago. And I was wrapped up in that trying to get that done. My very best friend, her dad died in a horrible accident. And another friend of ours just vanished off the face of the earth. And then a very close friend of mine committed suicide. And uh. I had also had a very debilitating back injury at that point. And I was out for about eight months with a really bad back injury. And then my best friend moved across the country. Her husband was in the army. So I had this like really stressful period of time 
I couldn't sleep. I would wake up in the middle of the night. I'd be like, have I turned in this project? Have I done this? You know, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm an employee, I'm doing an accelerated education program. And um, it was just too much. And, and my brain was short circuiting and I was having extreme anxiety and not sleeping. And so I actually just skipped my doctor altogether and just called a psychiatrist and said, I think I need to sit down and talk to you. He said, what you need is sleep. <laughs> and so uh, he helped me get my sleep under control, which helped a lot of other things in my life. It helped me be able to deal better. You just can't deal with things when you're not sleeping. And then after my brother died, I really didn't take time to grieve him. And I struggled. I remember driving home from work one day and I thought, maybe I'll just go home and go to sleep and I just won't wake up. And I immediately said, wow, that's a, that's a warning sign right there. And I immediately right. called a doctor and I took an antidepressant for a very short period of time just to kind of get through that period, then weaned off of it with the help of my doctor. But very situational periods where life just got to be a little bit too much for me. But on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm a, probably a much more anxious person than Jen, but I have developed really good coping skills for that. And I know what to do when I start to get anxious and overwhelmed whether just to be to take a time out and make lists. I do a lot of lists. I do a lot of writing. If I wake up at 3 a.m. and I'm anxious about something, I literally just pick up my phone. I open my notes section and I start to kind of just free journal my thoughts, whether I'm worried about, it could be anything. It'd be a grocery list. I'll just write out the grocery list. If it's what I need to get done the next day, I'll just write it. Because once I can get it out of my head, then I can stop thinking about it. And I'm like, okay, well, that's I good. put it out of my head. I'm done. Now it's time to go back to sleep. And so there's just some techniques I've used. Those are good ones. Yeah. Well, thank you, Claire. All right. Robin from KC, I guess that's Kansas City, says, I know you are both lifelong learners. What would you most like to learn to do or learn about assuming time was not an issue? How about you? Oh, wow. I don't know. There's so much to do and learn. Wow. If time were not an issue and I did not have a broken 48-year-old body <laughs> that spent almost 30 years in healthcare, I would love to do like some sort of martial arts. Oh, very cool. I didn't, would never have thought that. I've always considered it and thought about it. It's time consuming. It is a practice. It's sort of like a yoga practice. It takes practice and it takes mental preparation and, and mental space. And I've just never really felt like I had the time to do that. But that, like, if the sky was the limit, that is something I would love to do. I love that. What about you, Jen? For me, I would love to go to Savannah College of Art and Design. When Will went there, he only went there for a year and a quarter, then he came home. But I remember when he got the catalog before he was going, a big catalog of all the programs that they had. And I just loved looking at that catalog and looking at all the things they offered. They have interior design and also historic preservation. And I would love to study historic preservation and maybe, I don't know, minor in interior design. I would love to, like, restore old houses. Mm -hmm. I can see that about you. Yeah, I would love to well, see, you know, I got that honest. My grandmother was an interior designer. My granddaddy was an architect, trained architect. He worked as an architectural engineer, but he also could design houses. And he did design houses. When I was a baby, they bought a old farmhouse that was like 100 years old the year before I was born or the year after I was born. It was 
right a hundred years before or after me. It was just really old and you know, like falling apart, and they restored it, and it was absolutely beautiful. It was in Greenwood County, South Carolina, and like grandmother hand restored all the woodwork. Like she took all the layers of paint off and did it herself and restored it to the natural beauty. I mean, it was just an amazing house. Wow. And like the chandelier had come over from England in the 1800s. I mean, it was just fantastic. And so I've always loved old houses and appreciated them. I counted up. We've lived in and owned houses from the teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 00s. Isn't that funny? Wow. We've had a lot of houses. You've covered the decades. We have covered the decades from our houses that we've lived in. So every house has a challenge, but I just love the old ones. That's fun. That might be more fun than mine. (laughs) Yeah, it it would be so much fun. (laughs) Michelle from Jersey, her question, she says is for each of us. And she said, do you live by any piece of advice or motto? I know there may be multiple, but if you had to choose one, what would it be? You know, I'm certainly not an athlete or like in love with Nike in general, but just do it. That really is like if if you had to say a motto that serves what I do, it's just do it. I have an idea and I just do it whenever there's something. That's me. That is so true. That is you. Yeah. And I do it like really fast. Chad's always like, whoa, I think about it. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. It's doing it. It's what I want. (laughs) Like once I have an idea, because, you know, I'm thinking about it, my brain is working on it, and then there's the idea, and I'm like, great, it's the time to do it. So when I was at my conference a few weeks ago, they had a saying, they said, take imperfect action. And I loved that because that's the same as just do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not going to be perfect. If you're waiting for it to be perfect, you're never going to do anything. You know, I wouldn't have written Delight on Tonight. I'd still be teaching school. We wouldn't be doing this podcast. I never would have met Sherry. Yep. Yeah. But just do it and don't be afraid and take the leap. How about you? Oh, if I had to pick one, I have two. I would say it is live out loud. Like, yep. don't be afraid to be yourself. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to be who you are. Say what you have to say. You know, whatever it is, I mean, if that applies to anything in life, but don't shrink yourself. Don't feel unworthy. Don't feel like you don't deserve something. I mean, everything is theirs for your taking. Take it, own it, do it, be it, put it out there. And I think that's it. And that's really how I try to live my life. Don't hide your light under a bushel. That's that's like... Took me back to my Sunday school days, right? I always loved, there was a song about hiding your light under a bushel. Did you go to Sunday school and hear that that song? I don't know. But you got to let your light shine. Yeah. Is that message. I love that. And I see that you're doing that. You're absolutely doing it. Never, ever, ever feel like you have to diminish who you are, be smaller to make anybody else else feel more comfortable. Mm Mm-hmm. If they're uncomfortable with your light, that is not your problem. Correct. That is something they need to work on. So don't ever, ever, ever shrink. Just be 100% you. That's, That's it. Love that. That's good. 
All right. Debbie from Ohio has a two-part question. Sherry, what's your favorite thing about your job in healthcare? Do you see yourself doing anything else? And Jen, what's your favorite part of the process of writing a book? Do you see yourself doing anything else? One, I don't see myself doing anything else. I mean, I have throughout my career, I really, I thought about going to law school about 12 or 13 years ago just because I wanted to be an advocate for employees. I had been through a couple of injuries on the job and I didn't feel like the companies ever advocate for their employees and employees often don't know what to do or where to turn and they're worried about their jobs and this and that. And so I had really thought I might go to school. My dad was a union steward too. So he was all about protecting employees from the businesses. And so maybe part of that in my background came to light and I thought, you know, I really want to help people in their jobs. And I mean, I'd even thought about human resources, but I was like, no, that's not it because you're really bound by the company. And I didn't want to be bound by the company. I wanted to be there for the employees. But I really just decided that was not that's not what I wanted to do. I didn't want to get caught up in the legal system and the I'm not a patient person per se. I don't want to sit Legal things take time. They do. You cannot create change overnight. And I thought, I don't have the patience or the fortitude for that. So really, if I sat there and thought about like, what else would I do in my life? There's nothing else I would do. I wouldn't even change careers within healthcare. I love what I do. I love that I am helping to solve a problem every day. A patient comes in, they have a problem, and it is my job to help identify that problem and solve it so that they can have relief or get well. And I love that part of my job. That's great. It's that kind of solving the mystery. Mm -hmm. You're in the right place for you. Well, okay. That takes me to the one I said, solving the mystery. Always wanted to be a homicide detective. Not gonna lie, <laughs> that was like the I could see it. Sherry likes to find things out, and yeah. I love to solve little mysteries, even just day to day. Like I love to sleuth. Where are my sunglasses? <laughs> And that's an inside joke because everybody, you may not know this, but Sherry loses everything constantly. <laughs> and so we've gotten to the point where she'll be like, I think someone stole my sunglasses at that restaurant. They're gone. And I'm like, no, no, we'll find them. And then we do. <laughs> They're always. <laughs> this is why I have multiple mascaras, multiple lip glosses. Yeah. Because they yeah, always exactly. go exactly. But But they turn up. They do. So I don't even stress out anymore. I'm like, okay. But yeah, no, (laughs) I love healthcare. So yeah, that's good. That's good. And for me, my favorite part of the process of writing the book is really the excitement of outlining it and bringing it all together. You know, I'm a teacher and my I deliver content. So I love taking an idea, like when I was writing Cleanish, taking the idea, the idea for Cleanish and like, what do I want to put in this? And then kind of like mapping it out and having it tell the story I want it to tell. And then just planning how the big picture is going to be. And then I go in and I write the parts of it. And I'm like, I jump around. Like, I'll write this a little bit. Then I go over here and it's where it takes me. But then making it come together and make it weave together and tell a story. So really, I'm just teaching. I'm over here shaking my head because I've watched Jen do this twice now. Yeah. I watched her do this with Fast Feast Repeat. And then I watched her do it with Cleanish. And I've been sitting at the beach with her and... 
she is always full of ideas and she's like, and then there's yeah. this. And then you could be sitting at dinner, you could be, it doesn't matter. And she's grabs her phone <laughs> or she's like, hey, write this down for me if she's driving. Right. That's true. It's true. She has these thoughts and she's got to put them down and she saves them all in her notes and she's making her outline. When I was working on the idea for um, Fast Feast Repeat, when I was working on, we were going to sell it to the publisher. We had to write a proposal, a book proposal. I was at the massage therapist <laughs> and I'm like, you're going to have to hand me my phone <laughs> in the middle of a massage. I'm like writing stuff down, typing it out stuff because it just came to me while I was laying there with a quiet mind and I like was flowing, yeah. right? And yeah. I like outlined it, it came together. But if you outline a book well, if you plan the flow of the topics and you outline it well, it's really easy to put it together. I mean, okay, it's not easy, but it helps along the way. You got to get a strong outline before you start. And no one taught me to do this. This is just the way that I structure it. Like I'm teaching a lesson and the flow right. of the whole like semester, right? It's it's all that teaching mm -hmm. curriculum stuff coming together. But do I see myself doing anything else? I don't know how many more books I have in me. I don't know. You know, I want to write what I'm passionate about. I am under contract to write one more book after Cleanish. I'm not sure what it's going to be. My editor and I are not in agreement yet about what that's going to be. I had to really push for Cleanish because she wanted me to write another intermittent fasting book. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And they wanted this to be an intermittent fasting book because that's my genre. And I'm like, I want to go outside of that and do something different. So what will I do next? I don't know. It'll come to you. She likes the idea of me writing like cleanish kids. Like you've read the introduction where I talk about okay. Will. Will's story. Yeah. She said that everyone who's read it over there at the publisher really like digs into that and they want to know more. Like, okay. how do we apply this to kids? Yes. So she's like, that's what she thinks that, that people would want. And I'm like, I don't know. But the funny story is the very first book I ever outlined was when we were going through all that with Will and his food sensitivities. I outlined a book that was basically what cleanish for kids, what it would have right. been. But so it would be funny if I actually ended up writing that. I don't know if I will. Yeah. But I might. Walking parents through the process of helping their kids through Foods and additives and preservatives and all that. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. And how to figure out, you know, what your kid needs. And, you know, these days, you know, I was a teacher for so long. And it's so easy to just go get a prescription and put your kid on medicine. And I'm not saying that kids don't need medicine. I'm not saying that if you make that choice, it's the wrong choice. But there are other things you can do. So, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Will I write that book? Maybe. Maybe I just talked myself into it. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon asked, she said, hi, Jen and Sherry, how did you find your passion? I feel like now that my kids are older, one out of the house and one in high school, I am floundering. I feel like I don't really have any obvious talents. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Well, honestly, what do you just really love to do if money were no object and you could just do something for fun? What would that be? And you can go volunteer in some organizations in your town and see if that sparks your interest. Like, what are you really interested in there? And that might lead you down the path of, you know, realizing what there is to do. Like, you know, let's say you're like, well, I don't know what, what I'm really, I really care about kids. So I'm going to volunteer at a school library and read to the kids. Or I really care that people have good food on the table. So you're going to go work for the food bank. And then from that, that might spark ideas of other things you can do. Yeah. And you said, how did we find our passion? I think Jen and I share a passion and it's learning and right. helping people. So everything we do 
comes from that passion. Right. And that's why we enjoy doing it. And that's why we, you know, take joy in it. And it's meaningful to us. If that wasn't something we enjoyed doing, it would be drudgery and we, we wouldn't be good at it. Yeah. So, or even go back to school. You know, if you're at the point where you don't know what to do, go to your local community college or your local university or whatever you've got in your town and see what they've got. Look at the catalog. Like I talked about, I did when Will was going to SCAD. I just looked at the catalog. And when you look at something, you're like, ooh, that looks great. Do that. Exactly. Take that class and then figure out where it can take you. Yeah. I mean, maybe you really like history and you, want to go work at the National History Museum or whatever history museums in your town. They always need volunteers for stuff like that. And go volunteer at someplace like that and see where that takes you. So when it sparks joy, though, that's when you know you found it. Yep. So now we have a whole bunch of questions from Christy from Kansas. And so we're just going to go down the list one after the other. These are from Christy. So Christy's first question is, name your top strength. And if you would, name a weakness you have. So I don't know if I can pick one strength, but my top three are persistence, forgiveness, and loyalty. And... My weakness is impatient. As I've said earlier, I am a super impatient person. I have to work really hard to be patient. What about you, Jen? Do you have top strengths? Well, I think my strengths are, you know, my optimism. Mm -hmm. I think optimism is a great strength. You know, no matter what happens, I'm like, all right, well, how can we make this work for the best, right? You know, like the seeing problems as just, you know, okay, here's an opportunity. What are we going to do next? And that's really the way I, I look at things and just, you know, trying to solve. So I said the optimism is is a big one. Also, I have a very creative mind. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always looking at possibilities and what could be. And nothing is ever the end. You can always you know what, make lemonade out of lemons. I don't know. <laughs> they really kind of go together. My creativity, and my optimism work together to help me solve things. And as far as weaknesses, I'm a little stubborn. <laughs> and I can also be bossy. Not even if that's my, <laughs> I don't even realize it. But, you know, being a, an elementary teacher for so many years, any teachers out there listening, they know what I'm talking about. You just are used to saying things like, I need someone to go pick that up. You just say it in your classroom. I need someone to go pick that up. Someone goes and picks it up, right? Right. <laughs> so it doesn't always work as well with, you know, the husband. You just take charge. You I take charge, yeah. Done, and you take charge of the situation. And so I think it's a plus. I think it's a plus. But the weakness is I have to watch myself and make sure I'm not overbearingly taking charge. Right. Yep. Because I just, I see what needs to happen. And so I'm like, all right, I'm just going to do it. You just jump in. And start doing it. And I actually like when other people jump in and start doing things. I love when other people are like that. So I would assume people would love it when I'm like that too. But not not everyone. <clears throat> Chad. Right. He also sometimes reads things as bossy that I don't intend to be bossy. Like the other day, we had leftovers in the fridge. He was like opening up a pack of, I don't know, barbecue. And I'm like, you may not want to open that. There's a plate in the fridge. He's like, stop being so bossy. I'm like, okay, (laughs) eat whatever you want. You thought you were being helpful. Well, I didn't say, don't eat that. I said, you may not want to. That's literally what I said. You may not want to open that. He did want to open it, let me just tell you. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay, too. 
<laughs> All right. Next question. How do you most commonly handle stress? That's a great question. I think that I, I jump into the community. You know, when I'm feeling stressed out, I just jump into like going and seeing what people are doing in the Delayed on Tonight community. And that just gives me purpose and something positive. Basically, when something is stressful, I redirect myself to something positive, I guess. Yep. Or yeah. try to solve the problem. If it's something I can't redirect away from, like something bad is happening that's causing me stress, I just tackle it. Mm -hmm. Just do it. There's that saying again. I just get things done. I have two probably most common ways when I'm super stressed out about something. One, I'm a venter, right? Yeah. So I have to tell somebody. I just have to, not right. because I want them to solve my problem or not even because I'm really complaining. I just need to get it out, right? Because once I get it out, then I can move past it. And I don't know and why I do the that same works thing. for me. I yep. just have to be like, blah, 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 blah. and I that works for me too. And, and Sherry, you'll get it. Yeah, I'll send it to Sherry. I'm like, guess what? And I'll send it to <laughs> Sherry. That also helps me. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. And like, I'll tell my coworkers, I'll be like, look, if I come in here and I'm venting to you, I'm not mad at you. I may not even be mad at the situation. I just have to get it out. And then once I get yeah. it out, it's out of my head. It's out of my heart. And I can just move past. It's over. Now, if it's something yeah. that's really stressing me out, I usually find something active to do. So if I'm at home, mm -hmm. I'm going to get on my rebounder and I'm going to jump it out. And while I'm jumping, I'm thinking, like, how am I going to handle this? How am I going to tackle this? How am I going to make it go away? Or like at 3 a.m. at work the other night, I was super stressed out and I was really getting ready to lose my cool. And I walked into my office and I told my coworker, I am going to take a walk. I'm going outside. I will be back in a couple of minutes. If there is something urgent, please call me on my phone. And I stormed out of the building and did a couple laps around the parking lot. And I felt so much better. And I came in and I'm like, okay, all right, I got this. I just had to, had to walk it out. So yeah, that's it. That's a good one. I do that too. But basically I just redirect that energy, I guess. That's, that was a hard one for me to answer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm going to skip down a little bit to this next one. What do your kids or spouses think of this podcast and do they listen to it? Well, my husband listens to a few random episodes that interest him. Mainly, I think he listens to see if I talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> he always says, I heard my name when you were recording. No, that's so funny. And I'm like, I, why do you always think I say bad things about you? I don't think I say bad things about my husband. You've never said anything bad about him I on mean, the air. I joke about him because, listen, we all have husbands. And, yeah. you know, sometimes you just have to laugh because. That's right. You just don't know. You're like, I don't know what he's doing, but bless his heart. So <laughs> I can guarantee you that none of my kids listen. Yeah. 21-year-old son, if I talk about the podcast him. He just seems more amused, like, oh, mom and her podcast, ha, ha, ha. So, yeah, no, mm -mm. I don't think my family listens. No, mine definitely don't. A hundred percent they don't, <laughs> no. <laughs> they don't read my books. They don't listen to my podcasts. <laughs> One time Cal said to me, you know, there's a lot of New York Times bestselling authors. That's really not that big of a deal. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. Thank you for keeping me humble. So, yeah, it, yeah. Leave it to kids to make you humble. It's really not that big of a deal. There's a lot of people who've done, done that. 
<laughs> he's not wrong. So. You know, I was when I went back to college, I was really trying to set an example for my daughter who wasn't taking school seriously. Yeah. She was in high school. And she's an extremely gifted child. I mean, young woman at this point. She just was not playing the game, right? And I thought, I want her to see that you can balance life with schoolwork because she was like more focused on the social aspects and cheering and yada, yada, yada. So I went back to school to show her that I could do it. And I graduated with a 4.0 and I said, you know, look, I graduated with honors with a 4.0. It did not make an impact on her at all. She said, well, it's not my fault. You're an overachiever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They're going to do their own thing, aren't they? Yeah. Kids will be so funny. Okay. Here is a great question. How do you find an amazing friendship like you two have? And I actually oh, thought I love about that. this one. I think my answer is authenticity. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about earlier, Jen and I are very different. I think people think we have a lot in common when really we we don't. We are very, very different people. We and are very different. If yeah. you really thought about it, you'd be like, how do these two people get along? You know, we both love to learn. We love to help others. We love the beach. We love a good challenge. But personality-wise, we're not alike. And that's okay because, like we said earlier, we balance each other really well. And Jen, it's funny. I had a hard time being me in front of Jen for a little bit because Jen is (laughs) kind of soft and she's really proper. And I'm not, I'm like rowdy and sarcastic and a little distrustful of people. And I have a mouth Mm -hmm. (laughs) anyway. And then Jen, like I said earlier, she's got this childlike wonder. I always just kind of hope she can rub off on me a little bit, but we have a mutual respect for each other and we both want to see the other succeed. And we really believe in each other. And the number one thing I think that makes a really strong friendship is we have always spoke our mind to each other, whether we just say what's in our hearts. If Jen tells me something that she has this idea and I think it's an awful idea and it's going to cause a problem or whatever, I'm like, that is an awful idea, Jen. I don't think that's true. Yeah. I mean, in a couple of weeks ago, we were working on a project and we weren't seeing eye to eye. And probably one of the only times I can remember that Jen and I were not seeing eye to eye. And I felt very passionately about what I was feeling. And she felt very (laughs) passionately about what she was feeling. And I was like, no, I disagree. And we were texting back and forth. My husband said, if you do not watch out, Jen is going to fire you. (laughs) And and I laughed so hard. That was like the perfect, like, Uh, first of all, situation. I can't fire you because like, <laughs> you don't work for me. <laughs> I was like, you could just as easily fire me. I mean, we're partners, right? It was so hilarious. He's like, there's no hierarchy. I'm like, we're friends. What are you doing? He's like, she is not going to like that you're arguing with her. I'm like, she, we're not arguing. No, we're discussing it. I'm like, she yeah. sees it one way. I see it the other way where we both yeah. feel very passionately about the way we feel about it. And we're trying to find a middle ground. That's, and that's yeah. what we did. We did. We always do. And then that was the end of that. And a week later, my husband <laughs> was still stressed out about it. So. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and I would just add to that. Like, I see people who struggle with friendships. And it's always when people start to read things into what other people are trying to do or say, you know? Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. It's like you let the other person, what they're doing, let it offend you or you start feeling offended instead of just being yourself. I don't know. I just see people struggle with that. And it, it's always just, do you know what I'm saying? Am I, I making any sense? Saying, and it brings me back to wholehearted living and Brene Brown. Right. And when you live wholeheartedly and you live authentically and you talk to people from that place, right? Right. Then there is no hidden agenda or there is no, like, I don't believe that Jen is trying to sabotage me or put me down. (laughs) Exactly. Right. I mean, if Jen said, Hey, Sherry, those jeans don't look on you. She generally believes that these jeans don't look good on me. And I probably need to hear that. And I'm going to say, no, should I not wear these? (laughs) And I'm never going to be offended by that because I know that. Like I'm a no drama person, right? Well, like I don't have drama with people. mm -hmm. I do not have drama with people. I don't have drama with friends. Now there's been some drama behind the scenes of the whole communities and everything that we don't ever talk about the drama, but the drama always shocks and surprises me. Whereas Sherry's not <laughs> well, a surprise. I'm like, what? You didn't see that? I'm like, coming? what? 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 Because I'm always, you know, <laughs> when it happens, I'm always surprised. That child. Anyway, I'm not the person who's like, a, yeah, I, you know, I'm not the person who's over here a little talking about somebody else or whatever. I mean, not that I've never talked about somebody, but you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. You know, not looking for the drama. So try to not let the drama into your friendship, I guess is what I'm saying. And if you see you getting drawn into that pattern, shut that down. Real friends do not have that kind of drama. Right. And if here's the other thing, like attracts like, right? So if you are out there living out loud, being real, being authentic, you are going to attract that kind of person. And the people that are not living that way, you're going to reject. They're not going to become right. your good friend. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. So put out there what you want to attract. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. All right. This one makes me laugh. I, I love laugh this question. On this one. <laughs> Being strong women, how do you know when to let your husbands have the reins? <laughs> <laughs> is never the right answer. <laughs> Men that are listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I think it's just a matter of, I've been married now for 30 years, and it's just a matter of picking your battles and understanding your spouse, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And learning, you know, we talked a lot, Sherry said, don't put your light under a bushel, or, or I said that, but that was what Sherry meant. <laughs> but you know, not dulling your shine, but you do have to sometimes compromise in the way you might deliver something or not let something offend you or just walk away from a problem that's happening. And I don't want to say let someone think they're winning because that sounds awful. But what I'm trying to say is you have to, like, I, I make sure that Chad feels like he's Heard. having input and heard. Yeah. yeah. He really needs to feel heard. Yes. So as long as he feels heard, you know, I can be a strong woman and kind of like have a, have an idea in my head that I want to, you know, but we've been together so long that I know how to approach him the best. And it's really different the way Sherry, her rapport with Eric and mine with Chad, completely different. Like Sherry will be like, you should have told him this, this, and this. And I'm like, yeah, no, none of that would have worked. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know what not to say to him. Jen is a better placator than me. Well, because I just know the dynamic of if I said some of those things, that would not go well. So you just have to know, like I said, you pick your battles and just be like, well, this is not a winnable situation. So how can we 
figure this right. out. Right. Without being weak myself, right? I jokingly say I never let my husband have the reins. I definitely wear the pants in the family. But he, as you know, if you listen to this podcast, he's got some social anxieties and he doesn't do well in public places. And so, you know, I... I do ask him to take me out a lot more than he would like to go out, and he tries to do that. But I also would never ask him to go to some place that I know is completely outside of his comfort zone. So I do try to meet him in the middle while also fulfilling my needs. You know, it's like I choose my battles, really. Right. That's exactly uh, true. Don't you have to. want to eat the same foods. So I don't say, this is what I cooked. You're just going to eat it or go hungry. I buy him different food than I eat. And he eats what he wants to eat. It makes him happy. And I eat what I eat. It makes me happy. And he refuses to play dice games because it's noisy. But I love to play dice games. So I figured out a way he could play dice games with some felt pads. So it's just a little give and take. And right. I think that's a good way of putting it. Uh, yeah. Well, that was so much fun. I don't think we have time for any more questions, Sadly, but no. I loved it. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. So before we get to the listener-led lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast, and that is Shapa. And we have not talked about them recently, but we want to just revisit them. So Shapa is a scale that is more than a weight loss device. It doesn't tell you weight loss in pounds. It doesn't tell you that you've lost five pounds in the last month. What it does is it gives you a color and that color reflects your weight loss trend because we all know that your weight goes up and down at various times of the day, at various times of the month in relation to the weather, your hormones, what you ate, what you didn't eat. So we don't want to get hung up on those little numbers. Instead, we want to get hung up on like behavior modifications that lead to results over time. So with a shape of scale, there are no numbers, no judgment. So it's connected to an app and the app gives you a color as a feedback as to what your weight trends are doing over time. Are you decreasing body fat and weight loss? Get one color. Are you slowly starting to add a little weight? You get a different color. So you basically just jump on. It gives you a color. You jump off. That's it. You go about your day and you are not ruled by that number on the scale every day. So get your shape of scale at myshapa.com. Use the code life lessons, one word, and save $30 on their 12 or 18 month plan. And we have a link on the shop with us tab at lifelessonscommunity.com. And it's also in today's show notes. So today's listener led lesson comes from April. And she says, it's soup season. I buy cubed Southern style hash browns, frozen potatoes in bulk, and I will never cut and peel potatoes again. So convenient for throwing together a healthy soup or stew during the fall and winter. They cook so fast and are as delicious as fresh cut potatoes. That's awesome. And today's motivational quote from a listener comes from Lori. She wrote, hello, ladies. This quote appeared on my Instagram on the same morning that we were facing some challenges with one of our grown children who is struggling with physical and mental health. We were trying to get through to him that he needs to take care of his physical self before moving forward with other parts of his life. I felt like this was a good way to share with him what is important. The quote by Jim Rohn is, take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live. That That's a so good true. one. 
Well, listeners, thank you for joining us today. It was a lot of fun. Make sure to join our Facebook community. It's called Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And we would also love for you to leave a review on iTunes so we can reach others. If you have a story to share for our good news segment, listener-led lesson, motivational quote, or if you have an area of expertise you'd like to share as a featured guest, email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and then listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.